This is a season of Lent, as we said before, and Lent is this 40-day period where we anticipate Jesus' death and ultimately his resurrection. And what we would like to do with you from now until Easter, every Wednesday throughout Lent, is we want to walk through something called the Stations of the Cross. Now, this is a very ancient Christian practice. Uh, it transcends denominations, um, but, uh, but Catholic churches tend to do it more often than other denominations do. But it's this beautiful discipline, because here's what it does, is it looks at this God who chose to walk alongside humanity for 30 plus years so that he could experience our life, all of its celebrations and joys, all of its tragedies and sufferings, and that God himself could know what it was like to walk in human footsteps. And now the Stations of the Cross is a way for humans to walk alongside Jesus's footsteps in the last hours of his life to experience the ultimate pain and suffering that he went through so that we can also understand even more deeply the joy that came from this pivotal moment in all human history. So I invite you to come back, not just here now today, but every Wednesday for the rest of this Lent and experience some of the stations of the cross with us as we share some of the ways that we have experienced the same things that Jesus was experiencing in those pivotal hours of human history. So today we're gonna to start with the first station of the cross, which is when Jesus was condemned to death. And so I just wanna read that section of scripture and let you hear it along with me, what Jesus went through, uh, the thing that started his journey toward the cross. So we're, go we're going to John chapter 19, the first 16 verses. Then Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him. Hail, King of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I am going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him not guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said, Look, here is the man. When they saw him, the leading priests and temple guards began shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Take him yourselves and crucify him, Pilate said. I find him not guilty. The Jewish leaders replied, By our law he ought to die, because he called himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was more frightened than ever. He took Jesus back into the headquarters again and asked him, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Why don't you talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or crucify you? Then Jesus said, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Then Pilate tried to release him, but the Jewish leaders shouted, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. And anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. When they said this, Pilate brought Jesus out to them again. Then Pilate sat down on the judgment seat on the platform that is called the stone pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was now about noon on the day of preparation for the Passover. And Pilate said to the people, look, here is your king. Away with him, they yelled. Away with him. Crucify him. What? Crucify your king? Pilate asked. 
We have no king but Caesar, the leading priests shouted back. And then Pilate turned Jesus over to them to be crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Unjustly accused and unjustly condemned for something that he didn't do. I think we've all probably had that kind of an experience in our lives. This moment where people believe things about you, where they even make judgments and decisions against you, even though you are innocent. I've had that play out for me a few times. Uh, I think of one moment uh, happened when I was in high school. And I'll tell you this, it haunts me to this day. There are still nights where I lay awake, lay awake trying to fall asleep and I can't because I'm thinking of this moment. Uh, as you might know, I was on a state championship winning soccer team in high school, but I was um, not a starter. I was just one of, the, one of the bench players that helped keep the starters sharp. But I was always struggling and bucking for a starting position, always trying to increase my playing time. And we were scrimmaging at practice one day and I was playing against one of our better players uh, or playing with one of the better players on the team. And I, I, I messed up the pass. Like I, I was trying to set him up for a great goal and, and I screwed up the pass and it got stolen. And I just felt so awful about it. And I just, I, I, and I just started to say, oh, Jake, I'm, I'm so sorry because uh, I messed up. And, uh, but unfortunately, because of the, the speed of the game, all I got out was, oh, Jake, and I, before I could say, I'm so sorry, he just blasted me. He's like, what do you mean, oh, Jake, you're the one that messed up the pass. And he was so mad, so furious. And even though I tried to explain afterwards, you know, that moment happened. That in that moment, he perceived that I was trying to blame it on him, even though it was clearly my mess up in, in the play. Uh, and that, that still haunts me that this guy who I, who I valued and I respected, and I thought he was such a great player, and I, and I actually wanted to be a good teammate to him. Uh, and he, to this day, probably thinks of this time that that one bench player, Doug, tried to blame him for a bad pass. Uh, and I just, again, it, it haunts me. I hate feeling misunderstood. I hate feeling that, that he thinks that this moment happened a certain way and there's just nothing I can do uh, to get over it. Or I had it in a much more serious way um, when I was a, a pastor in Colorado. I had a um, just kind of a, a moral issue with one of the leaders at the church and brought it to them and they disagreed with the moral issue, and not only that, they, they immediately turned on me. And it was such a big deal that I felt like I, I couldn't stay. I, I needed to not be at a church that condoned that kind of, of moral problem. But the other thing I felt so deeply is I didn't want to be a divisive person in the church. I didn't want to be seen as trying to uh, take over anything or or be bigger than my britches. Uh, and in fact, that was one of the accusations that was levied against me was that I thought I should be in charge, that I thought I was the one that needed to, to make the decisions uh, at that church, even though I was somewhat lower on the totem pole. And it was this incredibly difficult place to be because I wanted to stand up for what was right. I wanted to honor the convictions that I had. But I also knew that people were already accusing me of doing something out of my own arrogance or pride. And I didn't want to give credence to that theory as well. And so I was in the spot where I finally decided I had to say nothing. I had to just let people interpret my actions how they wanted to interpret them. Because if I tried to defend myself or justify myself, it would just reinforce a lie. But if I didn't defend myself or justify myself, people would continue thinking whatever they wanted to think about me. It was one of the most difficult seasons of my life. 
And it's moments like that, moments that I'm sure you've had something similar yourself, that I am so grateful to see the path that Jesus trod along with us. That he was, in one sense, unjustly accused, much like we often are. He experienced people blaming him for something that wasn't true. They, they blamed him for blasphemy was the crime that they accused him of. Because as a human being, you're not allowed to claim to be the son of God. And that is a crime that was punishable by death in those days. That part wasn't wrong. The difference, of course, was that Jesus actually was the son of God. And so for him, it wasn't a crime, and yet they, they treated it like it was. And he took the same uh, tactic that I felt like I had to take, which was ultimately you don't, you don't argue with the people who are accusing you. You stand there, you let them have their say, but you recognize this one very important truth. And so I wanna call your attention to that real quickly before we go. That as he's being unjustly accused, as the people are saying all of these untrue things about Jesus, he says something shocking and powerful. In the midst of Pilate trying to point out how much power he has, how much authority he has, that, that he's the one in control of what happens to Jesus, Jesus says this, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Everyone looking at that tableau, if they had to pick where the power lay, they would pick maybe Pilate as the governor. They would maybe pick the crowd of religious leaders since they had clearly whipped everyone up into a frenzy. Very few people in that moment would have even dreamed of picking Jesus as the one who had all the power. But he recognized that even in this moment of being unjustly accused, God was the one overseeing everything that went on and that the ultimate blame or credit goes to God in his control. And so when I see that and I see how Jesus was able to face such awful things because of his implicit trust in God's goodness, this is now what I used to encourage myself when I'm going through those moments where I feel unjustly accused, where I feel like people are treating me unfairly. That at the end of the day, God is in charge of my life. He's in charge of your life. And he was able to use even this moment of, of terrible tragedy as a way to save the lives of everyone. Jesus himself would conquer death, but not only for himself, he would conquer it for all of us. And he was content knowing that his God in heaven, his heavenly father, saw the truth and knew what was going on. And in those moments where people are judging you, they're misunderstanding you, where you're being treated unfairly, we can take comfort in the fact that our God in heaven sees all. That whatever misapprehensions people might have about you, whatever unfair ways they might interpret your actions, God knows you. He knows your heart. And we can take those unfair moments and submit them to him, trusting that he is the one in charge and he knows the truth about us. It's a hard thing to do, but I, I know that it works. I see it in my own children when, when one of them accuses the other one of something else and they say, I'm going to tattle on you. I'm going to tell mom and dad. And my other kid gets so uh, worried and so apprehensive and, and they come to me and they say, oh, they were going to tell you this about me. And I just always say to them, and do you think I would have believed them? Do you think I don't know you? I don't know your heart. 
if, you're, if your brother or sister is levying some unfair accusation against you, yeah, that's hard between you and them, but that has no effect on your relationship to me as your father, who knows you far more deeply than your siblings do. And if that's true in, a, in an earthly family, I promise you it's even more powerfully true for our Father in heaven. He sees you. He knows you. And he will use any unfair suffering, any unjust treatment, any misunderstanding of your intent to work a greater good in your life. If you will simply trust in him, let him be the one to hold you in good esteem and not spend so much of our effort trying to justify or explain or defend ourselves to others around us. Jesus didn't do it in this first station of the cross, and we can follow that example and receive far greater reward by letting God be our defender and our advocate. Amen. Would you please pray with me? Lord God, it is so hard to feel misunderstood. It is so difficult in life to have people make accusations or interpret you wrongly. And so, Lord, here and now, I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would help each and every one of us be content to know that you have judged us rightly. And that if you who see our hearts have forgiven us and have prepared a place for us in heaven, then we no longer need to spend so many of our tears and our efforts defending ourselves before others here on earth. So Lord, give us that peace that surpasses human understanding, that peace that only comes from knowing that we are safely and rightly judged by you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathfinder Church Message Podcast. If you would like to hear more messages like this, hit the subscribe button. You can also find more resources at our website, pathfinderstl.org.